I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, they're handing out the hardware in Hollywood. I'm Jeff Braun. It's Oscar weekend. We'll give you our foolproof or maybe foolish picks later in the show. I also got roped into watching Netflix's first foray into reality TV. It's a dating show called Dating Around, and I loved it. First, it's the news from the couch. This music gives me goosebumps every time. Why? Because Hulk Hogan... And I'd like to ask you, Rock. I'd like to ask you that question right now. What you gonna do? What you gonna do, Rock, when the biggest icon this industry has ever seen puts you in a place at WrestleMania? What you gonna do when Hulk Netflix is working on a Hulk Hogan biopic. They have obtained the exclusive life rights and consulting services from Terry Jean Balea, i.e. Hulk Hogan. Todd Phillips, director of movies like The Hangover, will direct, and the man playing Hulk Hogan, this guy. This drink, I like it. I know, it's great, right? Another! I need a horse! We don't have horses, just dogs, cats, birds. And give me one of those large enough to ride. That's right, the mighty Thor, Chris Hemsworth, will play the Hulkster. The movie will look at the early years of Hogan's rise to stardom in the late 70s into the 1980s, where he transcended professional wrestling to become one of the most recognizable faces in the history of entertainment. Not sure if Hemsworth has the 24-inch pythons, brother, but he's proven in the Marvel movies he really can pack on the muscle when he needs it. The project is in its early stages, so no word on release date yet. Sandra, the giant Bobby heated himself, and King Kong Bunny, it looks to me like it's three against one. No, me, Gene. It's three against the 24-gun salute, man. And notice the blue tins, man. I've got a surprise for them. See ya. You better believe you can see it. That's the hoses popping out. The new four-lane highways of the secondary survivor system, just in case all three of those dudes, Andre the Giant, King Kong Bunny, and the Weasel, pound my heart till it almost stops. The fact that this is going to be a Netflix movie, like, I'm excited about this, yep. and I think Chris Hemsworth is great, because he's proven that he is really one of the most physical, at least looking, physical actors in appearance in Hollywood, but... Uh, he's a good choice. Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why this isn't a major theatrical release kind of scares me, because I've been disappointed with Netflix movies. I have not watched one yet that blew me away. I will point out I have not watched Roma, which of course is nominated for Best Picture. That may not blow you away either. I've spoken to a couple of people this week that... Couldn't quite make it all the way through Roma. So. Really? Yeah, it's long and slow in Spanish and black and white. So, But speaking of Netflix and biopics, well, here's another Netflix biopic. It could have happened to anybody, but it didn't. It happened to us. The new band is going to be something nobody's ever seen before. Oh my God, those are my pants. But they look so much better on me. 
The trailer came out this week for a movie long in the making. It's the Motley Crue biopic, The Dirt. We got to run away. A kid drummer. An old man. Let's just play it. A cover band singer. They say you're going to be a rock star. What do you think? Holy The book, The Dirt, Confessions of the World's Most Notorious Rock Band, was published back in May of 2001, and pretty much ever since then, Motley Crue has been trying to turn it into a movie. They wrote the book, which is basically an oral history of the life and times of the gang, and what a history it is. I have the book, and the raunch levels attained by Motley Crue made my jaw drop. If we want to knock people on their asses, then we've got to give them a show. I'm talking like a stadium show in the clubs. The fans, they're dying for some anarchy. So let's give it to them. As far back as 2006, Paramount was set to make this movie with Larry Charles of Seinfeld, Entourage, and Borat fame set to direct. Things stalled out there. Nothing really got off the ground again until six years ago when Jeff Tremaine became involved to direct, but still got stuck in development hell until 2017 when Netflix bought the rights. And, of course, Netflix has been throwing money at anything that moves the last couple of years, so here we are. I had managed the Scorpions, Bon Jovi, Skid Row, Kiss, but I have never been through what Motley Crue put me through. That's Gail from Breaking Bad, who will be the put-upon band manager. Ramsey Bolton from Game of Thrones plays guitarist Mick Mars. They hired unknowns for the rest of the band, at least as far as I can tell, although the kid playing Tommy Lee is a rapper who goes by the handle Machine Gun Kelly. Sounds like a good pick for a movie about one of the most notorious rock bands of all time. I am sick and tired of not having any fun. Everything's upside down and flip-flopping. Motley Crue, no strangers to controversy. Vince Neil was charged with vehicular manslaughter. Tommy Lee and Heather Locklear have separated. It's a degenerative bone disease. Nikki Six has overdosed. I know it's not going to be easy, but I believe in you guys. Win it all or lose it all. We are Motley Crue. The trailer, while exciting, does look like a kind of cheap Netflix movie. I'm glad we won't have to pay for it, but I'm also excited to see it. I grew up on the crew. They were the first rock show I ever went to, so I have a weird soft spot for them. The Dirt plops on Netflix March 22nd. Also on Netflix, Arrested Development, back next month. Hello? I told you he'd come. The Bluth family. We're shooting footage for Lindsay. Campaign footage. You're running for office? I want to be part of the problem, Michael. He's finally back together. Oh, great. Get your stuff. Let's get out of here. Well, that didn't last long. Maybe. What? Maybe we can figure out where it all went wrong. 
Arrested Development returns for the second half of Season 5, March 15th. The first eight episodes came out last May, with the promise of the back half to come in the fall, but that never happened, and frankly, it's sort of been radio silence from Mitchell Horowitz and company ever since. It didn't help that one of the actors, Jeffrey Tambor, became embroiled in controversy about his behavior on the set of Transparent, but no one really complained because fact is, the Netflix revival of the show has largely been bad. Maybe not really bad, but certainly has not reached the heights of the show original run between 2003 and 2006, so I think it's careful what you wish for is the lesson, which is why I really don't gun for the return of any other shows that have gone off the air. I still have not watched the original run of Arrested Development. Oh, well, if you ever want to, and then stop after season three. Really? Yeah. Okay. That would make you happiest. I will try that. And then finally, one more story... Which is also a note about Netflix. We didn't plan it this way, but maybe we should seek out sponsorship from Netflix, (laughs) given that all four stories we're talking about here about Netflix. By the way, you should watch Survivor Edge of Extinction on Global. True that. We'll talk about that a little later, maybe. For this next bit, let us take you back to April of 2015. That guy in the mask, he saved my life. I respected our conviction. The lone man thinks he can make a difference. City a better place. I love that music sting. Daredevil arrived on Netflix, the first of a series of Marvel Comics shows on the streaming service back in April 2015, and it was glorious. One of my favorite shows of the year. It was dark, violent, gritty. It was followed up in October with Jessica Jones, which I liked even more than Daredevil. But things started to unravel after that. And this week, in a sad but unsurprising move, Netflix has finally canceled what was left of their Marvel shows, The Punisher and Jessica Jones. A few months back, they canceled Iron Fist, then Luke Cage, then Daredevil, and this week they finally dropped the guillotine on The Punisher and Jessica Jones, even though Jessica Jones still has a third season set to air this year. Now, it wasn't all bad. Daredevil Season 2 arrived in March 2016, and it was good, not great. Luke Cage arrived in September 2016. The first half of the season I thought was great, but the second half, not so much. Ooh, Daredevil music is ending. Let's get some Jessica Jones in here. So, yeah, the second half of Luke Cage was kind of crappy. And then Iron Fist arrived in March 2017, and it was... Among the worst seasons of television ever made anywhere. I've never seen it, but I actually sort of want to watch it now just to see if it is as bad as all that. And watch you'll end up liking it just out of spite. (laughs) And then all four heroes converged for an eight-episode team-up miniseries called The Defenders in August 2017. And that, too, was underwhelming in spite of the fact that it just had this really awesome music. Here, let me play that. Yeah, it just had this big sort of heroic, like, cinematic theme. They really did all of the opening credit scenes for any of these shows, even Iron Fist. They were all really cool. The Punisher 2, introduced in Season 2 of Daredevil, arrived in November 2017. I actually really liked that. But uh, Luke Cage Season 2 was boring. Iron Fist Season 2, surprisingly, I liked it and was left wanting more, but Iron Fist was the first show to get cancelled. So Punisher Season 2 arrived last month. I'm only a few episodes in. I am enjoying it so far. Now, once they started cancelling all of these shows, it was assumed that Netflix, looking to cut ties with Marvel and Disney... Oh, out of music here. Let me play The Punisher. 
Yeah, I like this one too. This one's probably something up your alley, Jeff. Yeah, that sounds cool. Is that kind of like a like country a, rock vibe? Yeah, yeah, like a sort of hard bluesy. But yeah, so it was suspected that they cut their ties because Disney's launching their own streaming service. But it was revealed this week Netflix had zero ownership stake in these shows. They were just instead paying a hefty licensing fee. And as Netflix continues to grow its own content. It only made financial sense for them to dump the shows, I guess. That's going to be interesting moving forward what happens. Like, Netflix runs the block right now, but they're about to lose a ton of content because Disney is taking... Like, uh, Captain Marvel is going to be the first Marvel movie that won't be on Netflix. Oh, really? Yeah. And Warner Brothers is starting its own thing, too. So they'll be keeping their content, and Warner Brothers, I believe, actually owns Friends. So that may disappear in a couple of years from Netflix, and there'll be all sorts of stuff jumping off. Plus with Hulu, plus with Amazon. By the time you, if you want to watch everything, you'll have to order five streaming services. So it's just cable all over. It's a different way of being cable. Hey, speaking of cable, I got Blue Sky TV finally from Shaw. Yep. Oh my God, it is good. But up next, we are going to tell you what is new on home video, and we'll talk some Oscars. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We're going to talk some home video right now. And an Oscar nominee is coming out on Digital HD on Tuesday. The news is out. Ah! USA Today calls Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse the year's best movie. Ah! Teenagers, just the worst. Let's go. An astonishing shot of cinematic adrenaline. Who are you? I'm the one and only Spider-Woman. Very cool. The Los Angeles Times says it's sweet, ah. irreverent, and daring. We taught him that, right? You definitely didn't teach him that. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Only in theaters December 14th. Yeah. Few locks on Oscar night, but I think Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is going to win the best animated feature, hands down. I think it should. It was a unique animation style that I don't think I've ever seen in a feature film, and it was just fun. Of all the Spider-Man, I won't say that it's my favorite Spider-Man movie, but the on-screen iterations of Peter Parker that we've ever seen, I liked both, because there were two Peter Parkers in this, so I liked them both. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I wish I would have saw it in theater, but there you go. Uh, That's on Digital HD on Tuesday on hard copy Blu-ray DVD. It's Ralph Breaks the Internet, also nominated for Best Animated Feature and uh, one that was probably nominated 30 years ago, The Little Mermaid 30th Anniversary. It's just nothing but animated movies this week. And if you don't want to watch a Blu-ray, you should be able to pick those up on demand as well through your cable provider. Absolutely. I wanted to see Ralph Breaks the Internet in theaters. I told myself, you're going to go see it every year. Disney always releases these animated movies at the end of the year like in November and uh, I say every year I'm going to go see it and then I don't so December is a busy month I guess that's all there is to it okay that's what's coming at home on Tuesday uh, on TV that just started this week a new season the 38th season of this Survive, of course, back with its 38th season. Edge of Extinction, this one's called. How is it different this time, you ask? It's not. It's Survivor. There are always, almost always, a few new twists, but the game is always the same. This season features 14 brand new players. They're divided into two tribes, plus there are four returning players. Kelly Wentworth, one of my all-time faves. She's played a couple of times, never won. Beautiful Joe is back as well, and he's basically still Superman. And for more recent seasons, Aubrey and Timid David are back. It's immediately apparent that they've played 
before. They just don't have the nervous energy that all the newbies have. The real twist this year is the Edge of Extinction twist, which we learned a little bit about at the beginning of the episode. It's one of these deals, Brett, where after people are voted out, there is maybe a way to get back into the game. I won't say any more than that. It does bring up an issue, though, about the big twist each season. Would you rather a gimmick in the actual gameplay like this, or do you prefer the casting tribal division gimmicks like the Beauty Brains and the Brawn, or when they divide tribes by age, gender, race, what have you? Well, the last gimmick they did, what was that? Uh, oh, it was like the ghosts of the past or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't even remember what it was called because it was so bad and I stopped watching the season halfway through. It was awful. It was two seasons ago, I think. I didn't mind it because I won the office pool. Ghost Island. Go Wendell. Terrible. So I don't mind the gimmicks if they're used properly. And I always found that Exile Island was... Was that... They missed part of the episode. Okay. It had nothing to do with being voted out. Because there was that one gimmick where they would send people away and they would yeah. be... And then they'd fight the next guy that came or whatever. Yeah. like Wasn't it where they would get voted out? And, but they had an opportunity to go to... Yeah. What was that called? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. It's all, it's all the same. This maybe is going to possibly be something similar. That's the thing. We'll see how it plays. I... I I sort of prefer this stuff, I think, only because when they do the weird uh, tribal things, it never lasts more than three episodes tops before they start mixing up tribes, and they mix up tribes four times a season sometimes, and that's when I start feeling bad for the players because they're just when they're getting you know their ducks in a row, it gets all switched up, and in, there's no strategy involved because you keep switching people. Redemption Island. That's it. Up next, we'll talk Oscars. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and it's time to talk about the Oscars, and we'll give you our picks, and, well, we'll save it for last, but let's play the montage right now. Here are the films selected as Best Picture nominees. Black Panther. Just bury me in the ocean with my ancestors that jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage. Black Klansman. Why haven't you bought in? Why should I? Because you're Jewish, brother. Doesn't that hatred you've been hearing the clan say, doesn't that f*** you all? Of course it does. And why are you acting like you ain't got skin in the game, brother? Bohemian Rhapsody. So now what? Uh, this is when the operatic section comes in. Oh, the operatic section, yeah. The favorite. I apologize for my appearance. I hoped I might be employed here by you as something. A monster for the children to play with, perhaps. Green Book. So can I put the uh, PS kiss the kids? Yeah, like at the end. That's like clinging a cowbell at the end of Shostakovich is a seven. And that's good. Perfect, Toby. Roma. Mire como ve esta. Como es? Está bien. A star is born. Hey. What? I just want to take another look at you. Vice. So we gonna do this thing or what? I mean, is this happening? I believe we can make this work. <laughs> Hot damn. So those are the nominees, and honestly, after this weekend, I'm glad award season is over because I'm sick of talking about these movies. It really is a slog getting through award oh, season, I find. They're, I do. I nerd it up. I listen to these podcasts that go on and on about them, and it's just like, all right, that's enough already. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, good for you. Well, and that's the interesting thing this year is that there's been no consensus on Best Picture. Yeah, this is maybe the first year where I've ever seen such a lack. Yeah. They said it's the first time that none of the guilds for that have... Some sort of best picture have matched anything at all. So wow. there's that. But we'll get back to the best picture. We'll save the best for last. Um, well, let's do the best actress. The nominees are Yelitsa Aparicio from Roma, 
Glenn Close from The Wife, Olivia Coleman from The Favorite, Lady Gaga from A Star is Born. Lady Gaga? Yeah, that's what my mom calls her. And Melissa McCarthy from Can You Ever Forgive Me? And Glenn Close has won everything else, and why wouldn't she win this as well? Seems fair. Yep. Best actor, Christian Bale from Vice, Bradley Cooper from A Star is Born, Willem Dafoe from At Eternity's Gate, Rami Malek from Bohemian Rhapsody, and Viggo Mortensen from Green Book. Likewise, Rami Malek's been winning most of these, so I'd pick him as well. Yep, think so. Best supporting actress, Amy Adams in Vice, Marina Di Tavira from Roma, Regina King from If Beale Street Could Talk, Emma Stone, and Rachel Vice, both from The Favorite. I'm going to give this one to Regina King, who's won a bunch of awards and puts in a real good performance in that movie. And frankly, of all those people, she's the one I want to see win an Oscar. And Regina King, uh, yeah, she's won a ton of Emmys, and she she yeah. had a stretch where she won like an Emmy three or four years in a row. For different so, stuff, though. Was it all different stuff? I don't know if it was all different stuff, but there was different stuff. Well, I think she won two awards, at least, for American Crime. Yeah, but and, and then some yeah. other stuff for a miniseries or whatever. And yeah. she should have been nominated for The Leftovers, but we'll get it. The Leftovers never got any nominations. Best Supporting Actor, Mahershala Ali in Green Book, Adam Driver in Black Klansman, Sam Elliott in A Star is Born, Richard E. Grant in Can You Ever Forgive Me, and Sam Rockwell in Vice. Mahershala Ali has been winning all these. He also won Best Supporting Actor two years ago for Moonlight. So my pick is actually Sam Elliott for A Star is Born because... That's the one everyone wants to see, I think. Yeah. There's usually one sort of upset in the acting categories at the Oscars, so my pick would be for Sam Elliott. Yeah, that that's fair. He was tremendous in A Star is Born. And I, I will say I am shocked at the lack of Anything? accolades that that film... Yeah. Has achieved, you know, they got it got nominated, which we we knew was a shoe in. But the fact that it's getting virtually nothing is, to me, quite frankly, a little stunning. It's quite stunning, and no one really seems to know why, other than they say that they didn't really campaign as hard as maybe the guys from Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book have been yeah. campaigning. But whatever. Fine. Best director: Spike Lee, Black Klansman, Powell Palakowski for Cold War, Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favorite, Alfonso Cuarón for Roma, and Adam McKay for. Or Vice. Again, Corone's been winning all these, so why wouldn't he win for this as well? Spike Lee getting his first nomination, though. Yeah. So that could he could end up getting uh, the sentimental vote, if nothing else. I think they give him the best adapted screenplay Oscar. I bet he wins that. Okay. Just, just because. Consolation prize. Because of that, yeah. They often do that, and so... You never know. Um, so, yeah, those are the big ones, I think. Uh, I think uh, our boys over at Marvel for Infinity War are going to win Best Visual Effects. You know, they often, for visual effects, they, they often, often don't go with the biggest... But nothing nominated for visual effects is nominated for Best Picture. True. That's it's, it's, it's that, Christopher Robin, First Man, Ready Player One, and Solo, A Star Wars Story. But there have been other years where the movies like Planet of the Apes, I think, won. Like, they often go for stuff that's more based in real life, or just, like, animals in particular. I think the Golden Compass won Best Visuals one year. Interstellar, I think, won Best Visuals. Yeah. So, uh, But of these ones, I could see First Man walking away with this award. You know what? I saw Christopher Robin, and I was impressed with how they made the little fuzzy Pooh Bear and all his friends look. Yeah. Mixed in with the humans. That was pretty impressive. So. Yeah, I bet you it'll be one of those two, even though Ready Player One did have outstanding visual effects. Avengers Infinity War is crazy how many visuals are in there. Solo looked good, too, but I, I can't see them giving it to that. I'm surprised it's even nominated, to uh, tell you the truth. I, I, I sort of hope it does win. This is like, oh, here's a Star Wars movie that no one liked compared... As far as Star Wars movies goes, it just wins an Oscar. So, best picture then. Okay, you know what? I have honestly, uh, on the air and on Twitter and in public, I have I've gone through three different movies this week 
Wow, of my prediction. You. I've gone from A Star is Born to Bohemian Rhapsody to Roma. And honestly, this is it. The last one, the one I'm locking in. It's, I put an X beside it. It's on my. I'm picking Black Panther. Black Panther I for think best it, picture. It'll, I think it'll. I think it'll. It's just the fun thing that people want to happen. That's 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 where I am right now. There, it's entirely possible. I mean, there's a one in eight chance, right? Yeah. And, and it's the movie that, and I think I mentioned it last week. Entertainment Weekly, they always do their Oscar preview, and they usually will do a large collage or some kind of a theme. And the only image on the cover was the mask of Black Panther with a bow tie underneath. So clearly that's the fan favorite. And the fact that Black Panther is nominated, I think, could help the Oscars in terms of ratings. If they were to give Black Panther this award, I think it helps the Oscars. Absolutely. And it because it it acknowledges that it doesn't have to be some kind of an art house film, and not to say that every best picture winner is an art house film. And up until the, the trend, mid, and up until the mid nineties, it almost never was an art house film. Yeah, they were always big hits. Yeah, it was like Rain Man, which was the biggest one of the biggest top three hit of eighty eight. Forrest Gump was the biggest movie that year. Yeah. So yeah, also uh, Black Panther won the SAG award. The lady who did the costumes just won an award this week for best costumes, whatever their guild is. Uh, what else did there was another reason where something else that oh because they got this preferential balloting and if everyone's picking between four of these other movies for number one, but everyone picks Black Panther number two or three, it moves up on the ballot very quickly. Yeah, that's right. It can win like one of, with one of those things. It's a screwy balloting system they have that makes room for something like that. So. But honestly, it's everyone says no one knows. The only thing, the only movie that would surprise me winning at this point would be A Star Is Born. Okay, if Bohemian Rhapsody wins, I will have so much crow to eat because I very clearly said this does not belong in the awards cat. It won't be in the awards category, awards all, conversation. All the other critics agree with you. Yeah. Really? Yeah. All the critics are like, it. this is insane that this is up for all this stuff and it might win. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I'll need to pay more attention. I will say as well, I recently watched Black Panther again for the first time since I saw it in theaters. Right. And it was good. But if I had to pick out of that or Avengers Infinity War, just in terms of sheer rewatchability, I could watch Avengers Infinity War over and over and over and over and over again. I think it might actually... Is that your favorite, favorite one? It might be. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It, it always, I, I, I always, you always circle go back, back to, to that the first, first Avengers. Avengers. Yeah. Anyway, I'm opening up a completely different conversation. <laughs> we don't need to go through down that rabbit hole. We do, however, need to mention something that happened last week. Oh, right. For some context, the Couch Potatoes, we record this here out of Winnipeg on Thursday afternoons, and then we send the show out to all of our friends over in Vancouver, Kamloops, Calgary, Edmonton, London, and Hamilton, and it airs throughout the weekend. Right. Well, Whenever they feel like it. Last week, we talked about how they had pushed off four, four the awards to, to air, to be done during the commercial breaks or whatever, right? What yeah. was it? Cinematography? Cinematography, editing, uh, the hair and makeup, and best... Costumes? No, no. It was like the live short or something like that. Okay. And... What did they, what yeah, happened? Yeah, so that was Thursday, and then on Friday, before anyone had a chance to even listen to our show, <laughs> the Academy backed down and changed the rules, and everything's going to be shown on TVs, but by then it was too late for us to do anything about our show. Yeah, so... so if we, we confused you, we apologize. Uh, if anyone from the Academy is listening, you can... Uh, 
Whatever. Yeah. Good we luck know, to you. You can also subscribe to our <laughs> podcast because that gets funneled out on Thursday afternoons as soon as we are done. But if you heard it on the radio, sorry, we apologize. I guess we could have come back and done it or and fixed it. We're but too lazy. Yeah. We're the couch. It's potatoes. not just a clever name. Up next, we're going to tell life. you about. <laughs> we're going to tell you about this Netflix dating show. So I'm told, hey, we got to watch this dating show. And I'm thinking, oh, great. Well, guess what? It is great. Really? Tell you next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. And a new show arrived on Netflix on Valentine's Day, which some are calling the dawn of prestige reality TV. It's called Dating Around. To the first blind date of my life. All right. I'll cheers to that. Hope you're not a serial killer. Sarah? Oh, hi. Hey. Are you Nick? Yes. Hi. I'm nervous, but like, I've never been on blind date before, so. Me either. I'm like the goody girl, but I've never done oh. a drug. And you? Oh, yeah. I love them. Oh, my God. This conversation just took a really interesting turn. <laughs> Here's the first blind dates. Woo! So, my sweetie says she wants to watch this show, and we watched it over the weekend, and I, I said, sure, I'll give it a shot. You know, I'll, I'll try new stuff. If I don't like it, I'll, I just won't continue to watch. Yep. And the first episode kind of set itself up like it was going to be like every other dating show on TV. It's one guy and five single women. But the, the 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 setup is different, and I think the reason one of the reasons why they're calling this prestige reality TV is the production value that's gone into this dating show is sensational. Really, because they, they, they've got multiple camera angles on these public locations. But there's no sense that there's lighting or boom mics oh, really? or anything like that. It looks like you are just looking, peering into their lives. And there's, so there's that. But then the way that they edit it, so it's five dates, but you're watching them all sort of just s- simultaneously. Cut, cut, cut between them all as they go along. Yeah. And everyone's sometime, eating their salad, then all of a sudden everyone's eating their entree. Yeah. And sometimes like the conversation will end with person A saying something, person B responding, and then person C will respond to that. So there's a, there's uh, a yeah. lot of cross-conversation where the, the the single person, the subject of the date, is having the exact pretty much the same conversation. Right. But the way that they cut it together, it's in it's pretty ingenious. And then you get to a point, and the, the episodes are like 25 minutes long, and it doesn't take you long for to pick a favorite. It doesn't p- take you long to pick someone you hate. <laughs> and then by the end, there's a genuine moment of suspense because we see the person out in the street, and there's this like very upbeat kind of floofy music playing. Floofy is a word from Dr. Seuss, I think. Actually, the word is floof, but I like <laughs> to say floofy. So it's clear that now it's oh who who is it going to be and the camera is looking in this direction it's looking in that direction and then off in the distance you see was it the person you thought it was going to be no it was it's the upset win so it was funny how quickly it hooked me in and then what i liked even more about this show the first episode was sort of the introductory but then they branch off into it covers like all kinds of bases the second episode is about 
a woman who is divorced and she is a minority. So, and she gets into it hard with one of the, one of the guys just rips her a new one for, cause she says that she really didn't want to get married, but she was felt pressured because of her family obligations. Yeah. And like culture clash. A ton of people around the globe are in the exact same boat as her. Yeah. And this guy just gives it to her hard. And I'm not used to seeing that kind of thing in a dating show. The third episode was about a gay Asian man. Yeah. So, I've never seen that in a dating show. And I re- one headline I saw for this said, this dating show will is a dating show for everyone else who watches dating shows and feels left out. That makes sense. Because like, I, I don't watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, yeah. but I've seen enough of the promos and stuff where it's just like, how is any of this different from any of whatever this has ever been? You know yeah. what I mean? It just looks identical every single time. I used to watch The Bachelor. It's addictive, and I get why it's, but it's a like successful eight, show. But it's like dudes that look exactly the same going for this one girl, or that's The Bachelorette. Uh, and people who watch yeah. The Bachelor probably say the same thing about Survivor. That's true. It's always that's the same. Not, yeah, but that's just, so. uh, that's just a fight for a million dollars. That's not... I'm looking for true love, which yeah. is a different thing. Then the fourth episode is about a guy... A widower who was married to his wife for decades. Like, this dude is in his 60s. Wow. I've never seen a dating show with a guy in his 60s and women who are in their 50s, 60s. And one of them looked like she was in her 70s. So it was super interesting. The fifth woman, she actually, like, had to deal with, uh, here's a survivor term, I think it was brochachos. Was that in the last season, the brochachos? That sounds familiar. I I try uh, not to... With uh, the the big John, the big beefy guys, yeah, the big yeah, beefy yeah. guy. I can't remember. Oh, the wrestler name. guy, yeah. Yeah, 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 the wrestler guy, and they called themselves the Brochachos, and one of them wanted to be the the comptroller of Slamtown, <laughs> the mayor of Slamtown. Yeah. So anyway, there's one of these guys who says something like this to her. So you like it big? Oh my God, you're a headache. So you like it big? He was referencing her salad, but he was very clearly trying Ugh. to push an innuendo. But then yeah. he made another. It, it wasn't even an innuendo. He it was clear what he was getting at, and she. Well, anyway, I won't spoil it. I probably said a little too much. It's a fascinating show. There's also an episode about a gay black woman. So you get six episodes, people from all different walks of yeah. life. The one thing I would say about it is that it, the formula, it's its identical every single episode, okay. and it, it starts to feel a little repetitive. So I couldn't binge it. I needed to break after every two episodes. That's thats I don't mind watching TV like that. Even if it's one episode a week or whatever, you know it's sitting there and you can go back to it. So it's just one and done with each of these people then? It's not like The Bachelor where it's like a whole, yep. like four months to choose one person. Or Each anything. episode is one one person and their five dates. That's awesome. And then it's a new person. So six episodes, yeah. and it was really well done. So I recommend it. It's, it doesn't take long to go through it, and you might be surprised even if you're not into dating shows. Is next week our March preview? Absolutely. That's all the time we have. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.